right. Good morning, Life Point. Hope everyone is doing well. Man, I cannot believe it's August 1st. Right, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I appreciate this weather we have, and it looks like it's going to be projected for this week. I'm ready for that. Nice 80-degree 80, 80 weather is perfect for me. So I'm ready for it. But man, thank you all so much for being here with us today. Whether you're here with us in person or you're watching online, we're just so thankful that you're here, that you're a part of LifePoint Church, or just checking out LifePoint Church. Um, and we strive just to, to truly worship Jesus and make him be just the, the foundation of everything that we do. And so just thank you so much for being a part of that and being here with us. Um, today, we are in week three of our current message series called Blessed. And what we're doing in this series is we're checking out the first 12 verses of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus' most famous sermon uh, that we know, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And what we're doing is we're looking at the first 12 verses, and in these first 12 verses, we know them as the Beatitudes, uh, basically, what we see here is that Jesus pronounces nine different blessings on his followers, on his disciples. And this way of teaching was a very common way of teaching for like rabbis and other Jewish leaders the way they would teach. They would pronounce these blessings over people. And what we talked about in the first week is that kind of more the context of some of the historical pieces of it, social climate, um, and and what we saw is that typically that had to do with something you had to do. So blessed are you if you do X, Y, and Z. Later, the teachings became more kind of mixed with some political, you know, jargon. Kind of like blessed if, you're, if you do this, but also if you're of this social class. So there's all these blessings that are getting mixed up into things that aren't really truth aren't the real reason, the real focus. And so Jesus comes, he flips that completely upside down, right? And then he pronounces these blessings upon his followers. And what we, what we saw in week one is that, that it's just, it, what he was doing was very countercultural. His purpose for sharing this was, was twofold. The two main things we see leaning up to this in the context, one was is that he was ushering in the kingdom, right? That's what he says in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And when he began to preach, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's one of the key pieces of, of the context in which Jesus shares the Sermon on the Mount. This is all found in chapter 4. You know, we talked about when we read scripture and study scripture, we want to read it within its context. So we have to know what was going on beforehand. So he's ushering in the kingdom, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus was proclaiming the good news that just as the Old Testament uh, promised, that God was going to come among his people, reclaiming the throne, right? Reclaiming his rightful place and rule over his people. And Jesus was saying, I'm the son of God, and, and that time is now, and it begins right here with me. Is what he was saying. He was ushering in the kingdom. But the other piece that's incredibly important for us to understand as we go through not only the Beatitudes, but the entire, um, the entire Sermon on the Mount, is who Jesus was speaking to. 
Like, we really have to understand who he was talking to, because that makes a huge difference. And again, in chapter 4, when we're looking at this, we see exactly who he was talking to. Chapter 5 starts off by saying he was speaking to his disciples. Chapter 4 tells us who those disciples were. And it wasn't just the 12, right? It was disciples being those who were following Jesus. Chapter 4 tells us those that were following Jesus at this point in time were the sick, the diseased, those who were in pain, demon-possessed individuals, paralyzed people, the outcasts, right? The ones that society and the Roman culture said, you don't matter. You stay over here. We don't really care about you. They were the rejected. And Jesus said, no, you're blessed. Not only are you blessed, but I am choosing to bring the good news of the kingdom to you first. He placed value on their lives. Again, completely countercultural. These nine blessings are beautiful. Somewhat shocking for them at this point in time. Because I can't imagine what these individuals would have thought, right, when he started to teach these blessings. Blessed are, when they're like, oh, here we go again. Another rabbi, another teacher telling me all these things I have to do in order to be blessed. And he said, no, no, no. You're blessed because of who you are, who you already are, because you're in my presence. And so from there, we jumped into actually just diving into these blessings, right? These nine blessings. And so far, we've covered four. We've covered the first four. The first one was blessed are the poor in spirit. Then we, last week, we hit three. We had blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you missed either the first week or the second week, I encourage you to go back and check it out on our YouTube page or on Facebook or, or wherever um, or we have on our podcast as well. But just there's some really good contextual information that we've already covered uh, that I think would be really good for you to, to really unlock what Jesus was doing and what, how powerful these blessings were. Because it was more than just words. He was showing his heart, the true core of who he is and what he came to do. And again, he did it first to these people who were outcasts, rejected. I think that's so beautiful. Such a powerful message for us today that you don't have to be this certain social status. You don't have to be that, you know, you don't have to look the right way or talk the certain way or this and that. I mean, Jesus is for everyone. The first one we covered was the poor in spirit. I think that, that really is kind of like it encompasses all of them. Because he's basically saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand their need for a savior. Blessed are those who, who don't think they have it all together. Blessed are those who don't have it all together. Because they're the ones that truly understand their need for a savior. Those are the ones who are going to receive Jesus. Because they need him, and they know that. They're not depending on anything else, because they have nothing. So let's go ahead and, and continue on. We're going to cover an additional three. We're going to cover the next three, and they're found in verses 7, 8, and 9. And what I think is really incredible about these three blessings is they are, man, they are so needed in our world today. These blessings carry these attributes that we're going to see that, man, if, if we could unlock these within the church and in our world today, man, things would be drastically different. 
The sad part is, is as, as followers of Jesus, we've lost sight of this. And we're not playing these things out in our own lives. I think this would change, change everything. So let's go ahead and look at these. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 through 9 is what we're going to cover today. So here we go. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And when we look at these and break these down, we're going to do so from looking at, like I said, these, these beautiful attributes and how they apply to our lives, but we're also going to keep them in context with what Jesus, what his core message was of the kingdom, as well as who he was actually speaking to, because that truly, truly matters. It makes a huge difference in how we understand these three blessings. So the first one we're going to look at is blessed are the merciful, right? Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, mercy is a, a word that we're probably all very familiar with, right? If you watched Full House growing up, you know, have mercy, right? We're used to hearing that. It's not like meek. Meekness, it was kind of like one of those, like, let's understand this a little better. But no, mercy, we kind of get that. But just as a refresher, mercy can be defined as showing compassion or forgiveness towards someone who is within one's power to actually punish or harm. So someone has the power, maybe the right to punish or harm, but someone's going to show mercy instead. Or as an event, mercy can mean bringing someone relief from something unpleasant. Showing mercy. So the merciful are those who actually extend mercy. Maybe there's a situation where they are actually compassionate and forgiving, even when they technically don't have to be. Maybe when it's, maybe it's in their right not to be, yet they choose to extend mercy. And so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So let's look at this and hear it through the eyes and the ears of these individuals that Jesus was speaking to directly at this point in time, right? The sick, right? The outcast, the formerly demon-possessed, right? The, the ordinary, the common, the, the rejected individuals that were following him, right? The ones that were cast aside by a brutal, cutthroat Roman culture. Like, that's, that's who Jesus was speaking to. So when Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, he was actually speaking to a group of people that were probably longing for mercy themselves, right? They were longing for mercy. They were looking for it, hoping that someone would come, right, and extend to them relief, peace, some type of hope, maybe some compassion. They were looking and longing for it. And that is exactly what Jesus was doing. That's the beautiful piece of this. He's looking at these people. He knows that they are longing for mercy. And he says, blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy. He was giving them exactly what they needed in that moment. He was blessing them. 
showing compassion to them, showing them that they mattered. He said, blessed are the merciful. And not only was he blessing them, but he was actually modeling and introducing them again to his core message, to the kingdom, right? To a new way of living, to a new way of of finding hope, a new way of being made right before God. It wasn't about following the law to the T, right? It was about a relationship with Jesus. And he was saying, blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy. Because Jesus is the picture-perfect example of mercy. Right? If you want to define mercy, you can just point to Jesus and what he did for us. See, he showed the purest form of mercy when he went to the cross. When he took on your sin, your shame, your guilt, your punishment, he took that upon himself so that you could be forgiven so that you can be made right before God, not because you deserved it, but because he was merciful. He extended mercy. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by his grace You have been saved. It was and is the greatest act of mercy that we will ever know. Jesus was bringing, ushering in the kingdom. The new way. And he said, blessed are the merciful. But you want to know what I think is is super interesting about the people that he was speaking to? These people, again, I can't stress enough, they were the forgotten the rejected, right? The insignificant. People who were in need of acts of mercy. But those type of individuals are typically the ones who are poor in spirit. They're typically the ones who mourn. They're typically the ones who are meek and hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, for right relationships. And honestly, those are the people that are typically the first to extend mercy to others. The ones who are in need of mercy because they know what it is to be in need. So when they have any and every opportunity, they extend it. That's why he knew they were merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy. It was a blessing and hope wrapped all together for them. Now, these people may not have been able to show mercy on this huge, systemic, you know, systematic change level where they could say, if I give, show mercy to this person, it's going to change everything because they were nothing in that society and culture. But they knew their neighbor needed a little bit of mercy, a little bit of compassion, so they could start there. They weren't overwhelmed because they couldn't fix it all. They said, where can I start here? Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And even though they didn't have it all together, they didn't have it all figured out, they knew that they could take that step. They knew they could at least be merciful. And they knew that because they themselves were in need of mercy. And so when they look at Jesus, 
the one who's blessing them. And he says, blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy is hope. It's hope. The next blessing that we see, or the next beatitude that, that Jesus pronounces over these individuals is blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Beautiful. It's a beautiful blessing. Sounds very similar to what David wrote about in the Old Testament in Psalms 24 and verse 3 and 5. He said, he kind of asked this question, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Then he answers the question. He says, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by false gods, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, this was not as straightforward as mercy, right? Because we got to kind of ask ourselves, like, well, what does it mean to be pure in heart? And I don't know about you, when I think of, like, what it means to be pure in heart, like, immediately, when I hear that, my, my first thought to myself is, like, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> like, just being honest. That's because I say that. That's why, you know, I, I'm in need. Because I'm like, I will never be perfect, my heart will never be perfectly pure, flawless, right? I'll never not have these selfish motives that creep up because I'm imperfect. But that's why I need Jesus. So when we talk about pure in heart, we can't, we can't carry that weight ourselves. See, this is the one of the reasons why we fall and we screw up and we just say, okay, I can't be pure of heart, I'm screwed, and then we just toss it off to the side. When in reality, right, God never intended us to carry all that. God doesn't intend us to be perfect. He knows we're not going to be perfect. He's not expecting perfection out of us. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus' core message is the kingdom has, is here. So repent. That has to do with what it means to be pure in heart. The other reason that we struggle with this whole concept of pure in heart is because, like we talked about in week one, we take a modern-day definition of words and we assign it to what Jesus was saying thousands and thousands of years ago, right? It's, it's different. We're not looking at the, the culture and the context here within these words. See, when we hear the word heart, for us today... When we think of heart, we think more like emotions, right? It's, heart is more tied to, in our mind to emotions, like things like, um, you know, man, I'm, I'm brokenhearted over this situation, or I have, my heart is full of joy. My heart is full of anger, maybe. It, it's all about emotions. I love you guys with all my heart. It's emotions, and then we think of the mind more as intelligence, right? Physical body as, you know, the external. But when we read uh, and find the Hebrew cultural understanding of the word heart, when it's used here, and what Jesus was saying was used in the Old Testament, it basically refers to your entire being. Like the entire person. Heart, soul, mind, emotions, in intelligence, your mental, your personality. It was everything. Therefore, with, with, when it says with be pure in heart, it's saying be pure in absolutely every aspect of who you are. Again, very overwhelming. 
I'm probably not making this any better for you yet, right? It's like, okay, now I'm even more freaked out. But then we have to understand the word pure. When we hear the word pure, we think perfect, flawless, holy. But again, I think maybe a better definition of the word from the Hebrew understanding of of the word pure would be single or focused. So we could say that pure in heart really means being solely committed and devoted to something. So pure in heart, when Jesus is saying this, he's saying pure in heart is being solely and completely, 100% exclusively focused on me. To be pure in heart means that everything about you is fixated on Jesus. Not perfection, but focusing on him. Because it's Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that's going to allow you to become more and more and more like him. That's when the sanctification process is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Not because of your works, but because of his work in and through you. So when we say pure of heart, it means we are solely committed to him. And again, think about the individuals he's saying this to. If that is, in fact, their understanding of what pure in heart means, he understands that they're there because they have nothing. They're not seeking prestige. They're not like on a journey like to work harder, to climb up this ladder, uh, to, be, to be known, to be an, inf- an influencer, right? To gain social status or wealth. I mean, they're, they're nothing. They're broken, in need of mercy, poor in spirit. And so in this moment, here's Jesus, and he's healing them, and he's blessing them. And so they're saying, I got nothing but Jesus, you are my everything. I follow you pure in heart. And he says, blessed are you. You're blessed. You will see God. Because they're good? No, because they're seeking him. Because their eyes are fixated on him. Because he is their everything and nothing else. They're pure in heart. The final blessing that we're going to cover today is honestly one that we need maybe more than anything right now in our world, in our culture, in our society. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you honestly think when people that don't know Jesus think about Christians, they identify us as peacemakers? Anybody? Couple? Maybe? Online? Throw up an emoji if you're there. A blank, big-eyed face if you don't, if you say no, right? <laughs> no. I, I think very few people that don't know Jesus look in at the church or look in at, at Christians and say, man, they are, I may not agree with everything they believe, but man, they are some peacemakers. It, it's not happening. Why? 
because we're too busy arguing and bickering and stirring up conflict left and right to prove a point. And I know I've kind of been harping on this through this series, but it's the truth. This is, this is our current, we have to understand that that is our current, like the way people currently view us. Maybe not you individually, and I hope not, and I pray that LifePoint is a beacon of light, right? And that we are different, and that we can start to maybe birth something by the way we live and act. But in general, when people look at the church and look at Christians, they don't think peacemakers. They think people bickering and arguing. And it's not just like, you know, a Christian versus like the atheist or the non-believer. That's the problem. That is a problem. But one of the biggest problems is we can't even get along amongst ourselves. Christians can't get along with other Christians because we might disagree on one little minor point that's honestly not a deal breaker and we want to argue it to death. And then we get on Facebook or Instagram or wherever and we go crazy over it. And people are like, well, why would I want to be a part of you, what you all got going on here when y'all don't even like each other? <laughs> because we're not peacemakers. We're seeking our own agenda. We're trying to lift ourselves up to show how right we are, how much Bible we know, and how wrong you are, as opposed to lifting up Jesus. Love, mercy, grace, a God of peace, right? Instead, we're bad-mouthing each other within the church gossiping about each other right good spiritual gossiping you know what that is oh we really need to be praying for so and so do you hear what they did let me tell you let's pray for them that's spiritual gossip and we're bad about it tell me what went on the other day at their place because i want to pray for them no you don't you meddling you want yourself to feel better because you want to lift yourself up over someone else that's struggling. But we're supposed to be peacemakers. And if we can't be peacemakers within our own community, within the church, how is anyone else going to look at us as, peace, as peacemakers? Why would anyone else want what we have? If we say, oh, Jesus has set us free, but yet we can't get along, that's not much freedom. Blessed or the peacemakers. Second Corinthians chapter 13, 11, Paul says, he says this, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Just strive for it. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in what? Peace. Why? And the God of love and peace will be with you. Our God, who we serve, is a God of peace. Not confusion, not tension, not bickering, not arguing. God of peace. You see, we serve him. Therefore, we need to step up. If he is a God of peace, we have to step up and we have to be peace to the people that we encounter. We need to take peace to those that don't have it. First and foremost, we do that by introducing them to God. Those who don't have peace in God, who don't know who he is, and they don't have a personal relationship with him through Jesus, we need to introduce them to that peace through both our words 
but most importantly, our actions. That's how we can be a peacemaker. But we also need to be at peace with others in your own life. Strive for restoration. Strive for peace. It's not always possible. Honestly, it's not always maybe the healthiest thing. But we strive for peace. We're to be peacemakers. You see, when you, when you are mourning, right, when you are broken, when you are meek, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we said last week, right relationships in the world, when you look around, your heart should desire peace. And so because our God is a God of peace, and because you have peace in and through him, you should then want to do anything and everything that you can to be a peacemaker. To be a peacemaker. To restore relationships that are jacked up. Restore the relationship with our community, with the church, right? I think we are living in a time right now where the church has an incredible opportunity to be a voice, to step up in everything that's going on, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be the racial injustice that's just boldly in our face constantly. We have to step up and do something, and we can be peacemakers, and you can be a peacemaker without watering down the truth whatsoever. Because the truth is a truth that is full of peace and joy and love that is found in and through Jesus. Why wouldn't we want to take that to everyone? And that truth and that peace should resonate in everything that we say and do. We are to be peacemakers. It may mean that you have to go crashing into a, a situation where two people that you know and love are at odds. And you've got to step in the middle and say, okay, I'm going to be a peacemaker. And guess what? That's not fun. <laughs> because a lot of times they're just both going to be pissed off at you and you're going to be the bad person. But we are to be peacemakers in the, in the best way that we can. Because you have peace through Christ. And if we have peace, we should share that peace. We should live that peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it may not go the way you want it to go. You may step in and try to create peace and restoration amongst two people within the church or within your family or within your home or your community or whatever it might be. And it may not go well. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Three more beautiful blessings that we see that Jesus lays out, that he pronounces over these broken people. It's so beautiful. Again, so controversial during that time period. If you've been in the church for any length of time, you know these, they rattle through your mind. But man, don't forget how controversial and powerful this was for these individuals, for this culture, for this society, and honestly for us today. And so what I want to do this, as we close this thing out, I really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to think back, honestly, over the last three to six months of your life. And I want you to think about whether or not these three attributes have been present. 
I really want you to do that work. I want you to think through that and be honest with yourself. When I do that, I'm good in some areas, completely fail in others. Just being honest. But that's where I know I need to tap into the work of the Holy Spirit and ask him for his help and guidance. And I got to do better. But have you been merciful? Are you taking advantage of any and every opportunity to show mercy? They're there. The question is, are you paying attention? The question is, are you willing to swallow your pride and extend mercy? Whether it be to your neighbors, to, to your, your coworkers, your boss maybe, your friends, your spouse, your children, your parents. Will you show mercy to the random person that cuts you off as they're trying to go all the way as far down as they can in the construction on the water sim before they have to get over and they cut you off? Are you willing to show that person mercy? That's a big one. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If that's you, I'll extend mercy, but I don't like you. <laughs> but are you being merciful in your life? Have you been pure in heart? Not perfect, not flawless, but are you constantly seeking God? Is everything, your heart, your entire being focused on him? Or have you allowed other distractions to creep in? Have you allowed other attitudes to creep in? Other desires, selfishness? self-seeking desires, whatever they may be to creep in, or are you pure in heart, solely focused on him? And are you being a peacemaker? Are you pointing other people in the direction of Jesus? Are you leading them to the ultimate peace through your words, through your actions? Are you stepping in when and if needed amongst people that you love, to bring restoration, to restore relationships, to bring about peace? Are you the voice of reason, the voice of love, the voice of peace? Or are you a voice of chaos and conflict and division? You really need to ask yourself that. Think about this one. How would your social media followers describe you based on your posts? Would they describe you as an individual of peace, a peacemaker, or a pot stirrer? Always stirring it up, trying to get something going. I want you to seriously ask yourself that this week and work through that. And then listen to what God has to say. He'll show you the areas that you need to tune up. He'll show you the areas that you need to drastically change. And the beautiful thing is, is you can't do that on your own. So just know that. But he will give you the strength and the power to begin to take that next step. Right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Just take the next step. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let's pray.
Jesus, we, we come to you today. And we're just so thankful that we have your truth, these teachings, Lord, preserved in your scripture that we can read and that we can study and that we can learn from. Lord, may we be more and more like you and less of our selfish selves. Jesus, may we truly be pure in heart, focused on you, with blinders on, just just running towards you, Jesus. Because we know when we do that, everything will fall into place. We'll have peace, we'll have joy, even when it doesn't make sense. Because you're with us. Jesus, we thank you for calling us blessed. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for being that picture-perfect model of mercy. The mercy that you poured out on us. Jesus, we thank you. As we continue today in a spirit of prayer, maybe you're here and you, you've never stepped over that line of faith. You've never truly come into a relationship with Jesus. You know about God. You know about Jesus. You've gone to church from time to time. Maybe you go to church a lot. But you've never completely confessed that Jesus is Lord. You've never truly believed that he is the son of God. You've never given him your all, your life. You've never began that journey for a pure heart by just surrendering everything to him. It seems scary. It seems like, well, I'm not going to have any more fun if I do that. But I'm telling you, that is where true peace is found. That's where freedom lies. That's where joy is endless. That's why God sent Jesus. God loved you so much that he sent his son to take your place He extended mercy. God, so rich in love and mercy. That he sent his son to take on your guilt, shame, sin, everything, your funk, your mess, your worst screw up. Forgiven. He did that for you. And scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the grave, that you'll be saved. It's not about saying a a special or specific prayer or anything like that. It's just you connecting with Jesus, your heart connecting with him, you truly longing to know him. To believe in him, believe that he is who he said he is. And trust him as your savior. Follow him. That's what it's about. And you can do that wherever you're at, whether you're here in the service with us in person, if you're watching online, if you're listening, driving down the road, or wherever you're at, you just call on his name. However he leads you, you just confess and believe that he is Lord, that you're flawed, and that you're in need of a Savior, and he is the one and only Savior. That's it. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk with you after the service, or you can send us a direct message online. Someone will get in touch with you. I'll get in touch with you as soon as possible. And we can walk you through that, answer any questions that you have.
and it'd be a beautiful thing. It'd be the greatest decision you ever made. If you're not ready for that, but you have questions, let's talk about it. It's all good. But know that he's there waiting, ready for you to come into relationship with him. But maybe you are a Christ follower and and when you work through these, these blessings, right, these beautiful, controversial, you know, flip upside the head, cultural situation that Jesus lays out, these blessings, when you hear those things, maybe you're like, honestly, you think to yourself, I don't know that Jesus could pronounce that blessing over me because I've not been merciful. Even though I've received mercy, I've withheld it. not been pure of heart. I've let everything else distract me from my relationship with Jesus. Or I've not been a peacemaker. I like to win arguments. You just do business with with God with whatever he's sharing with you. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything I said and I love that. That's cool. We give God the freedom, the Holy Spirit to work and move. Whatever it is that he's speaking to you right now in this moment, just deal with it. Talk with him. Walk through that. Like I said, take the next step. It's all good. We're all, we've all been there. None of us are perfect. All seeking after to be more like him. Jesus, we love you. Again, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for being the ultimate ultimate example of mercy. And Jesus says, as Jared and the team plays, Lord, I pray that you would just speak truth over each person that's here or that's watching online. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Correct us where we need correction. And may we be sensitive to your leading. May we be bold enough to follow you pure in heart. And may you get all the glory say Jesus. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.
continue on with our worship through our tithes and our offerings here at LifePoint Church. There's a few different ways that you can give. Um, you can give here in person. Um, on your way out, there's a basket at the little table. There's some envelopes. You can fill those out, drop it in the basket. Um, or you can go to our website, top right-hand corner, an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. Um, or you can make sure that you get on to our Church Center app, um, which is a nice, clean, slick way to give. It's uh, in my opinion, the easiest way to give. Um, so if you're not on the Church Center app, you can look it up on your app store on um, Apple, the glorious Apple, or the not-so-glorious Android. Um, but uh, you can, or you can scan these QR codes here. We'll have them up here after the service, and that'll take you to the app. Um, then you just search the church and then get set up with that. It's just a great way to stay informed with what's going on at LifePoint Church, but also there's an online giving button. It makes it really quick and simple. So, but again, as I say every week, however you choose to give, we're just so thankful that you're on mission and um, just just giving back a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. And, and we are committed to being faithful with that, to continue to reach more people and love more people. Um, and as I said last week, we're really seeking new ways that we can continue to love our community and serve our community um, as we finish up 2021 and move into 2022. So um, thank you so much for being on board with that. Um, if this is your first time here and you want more information about LifePoint, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. You could also fill out our digital connection card if you text the word CONNECT to the number 502-236-9446. That'll get you set up, hooked up with our text alerts when we keep information rolling through that. Or again, again, the best way is the Church Center app. So um, and if you need help setting up with that, I got you. So, but other than that, uh, thank you guys so much for being here. I love you guys, and um, Jerry, the team's going to lead us out, and we'll see you next week as we wrap up this series. Have a good one. All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship um, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you can head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.